So we have our Connect Life Group. That's one that I really want to focus on. Um, if you have a life group, if you've been doing a life group, if you've never been to a life group, this is for you. This is for all of us. This is for everybody. So look at somebody and say, this is for you. This is for you. It's for everybody, every single person. If you've been leading a life group, awesome. We're going to have a way for you to connect with new people that aren't in life groups. If you've never been to one, you'll be able to come as well and meet people, have some community, eat some food, laugh, enjoy each other's company. Because do you know this is not a movie theater? Do you know this is not a movie theater? We are not fans of Jesus. We are followers of Jesus in this house. The Christian church, especially in America, has adopted the culture of movie theaters when it comes to the gospel. We all are fans, and we walk in here and sit down and say, hey, I like the teachings of Jesus. We come and sit down like we're watching the new Marvel movie. We really love superheroes, and we sit in here watching it. And what happens after a movie at the movie theater? You get up, you walk out, go on about your business. Your life isn't changed. You don't change your behavior. You don't connect with anybody else that was watching the movie with you. And that's not what this is. This is a family. This is a unified church. This is the body of Christ. And so we do life together. We do life together. We come in here. We touch heaven together. We encourage one another. We bring heaven down into this room, and then we stay connected through life. We stay connected through life. You should know about the people's lives in this room. You should know about it. You should know that Matt and Layla just got engaged yesterday. <laughs> should know about it. We should be excited. Those are things that should excite us. Those are things that should bring us joy. We should know when somebody's struggling, when somebody needs prayer because they're sick. We should know about these things. That is our responsibility as a church body to be unified in Christ and to be accountable to one another and spur each other on. Amen? Amen. So we're going to get ready to take our tithe and offering this morning. Yeah. Before we do, I just want to say thank you to all the faithful givers in this house. Thank you for making this a possibility for us to do this, for us to be able to come here, preach the gospel, and pour it out through generations. We had a lock-in this weekend for DSM, and lock-ins are hard. Lock-ins are not easy. Lock-ins are like the true test of faith. If you really love Jesus, kids camp and lock-ins, those are the two things, youth retreats. If you really love Jesus, you're going to put it to the test at a (laughs) lock-in because you have to stay up all night, you got a bunch of kids acting crazy. You got kids throwing water at each other. You got people going insane, making a mess. But in the midst of all that, I got to see our DSM team and our DSM leaders minister to these students. I got to see them minister to students, and I got to see them lead our kids in worship. And to have the presence of God be so strong in a room full of young people, to experience what you just experienced in a room full of 7th through 12th graders, leading worship, singing, praying for one another, laying hands on each other. It's not common. That's not normal. That's not what you see going on in the world today. And so 
we're able to do this. We're able to have these times of ministry. We're able to create these, these places for kids to come and experience Jesus because of your faithful giving. This is not the extent of what Church on the North Coast does. This is not the extent. This room, this Sunday expression is not it. This is such a small piece. Every single Thursday, anywhere from 50 to 100 teens are in this room worshiping God. Every Thursday. With a team of 20 young adults pouring into them. 18 to 25. Laying hands on them. Leading life groups with them. Growing them. Discipling them. Every Thursday. Every month we meet for Joshua kids. Bus kids in. Every Thursday we have a food pantry feeding the community. This is just a small sliver of what you're giving to. And like I said before, every time I come up here to take offering, I'm going to say the vision of this house, which is that church on the North Coast has not reached its peak in this campus. This is not it. This is, we are under construction. Everybody say under construction. Under construction. Under construction. We are under construction. It may look complete, but it's not. We're far from the end. And we're just at the beginning because I believe that God has put a vision for this campus to be an oasis for the surrounding cities, to be an oasis for the surrounding region, to be able to come and experience the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means that this wall is going to come down one day. That means that those nasty trucks and shipping containers are going to be gone one day and there's going to be a park. That means that we're going to buy this space and that space and the space after that, occupying this territory, putting in Christian-owned and operated businesses, making this place a place for families to come, dedicated to the Lord, where people can come and experience the tangible presence of Jesus, whether they're coming to a service or buying a coffee and a sandwich, they'll feel the Holy Spirit. Amen? So that's what you're giving towards today. That's what we're going forward with, that vision that the Lord is going to make this valley an oasis. Amen? So let's lift up our gift. We're just going to pray for it. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to give to you. We thank you for this opportunity to step into alignment with heaven, God. I ask that today these, these seeds that are sown, Lord, will go deep into the ground, God, and produce fruit that will produce fruit that will send ripples across generations, Lord, that the people will know you, that children that are not even born yet will know you, Jesus. Lord, we just ask that you bless this gift, and I ask that you bless the givers in this house. Thank you for their faithfulness, God. We step into alignment with you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can turn your attention to the screens. Um, for our Black History Month video. where they would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made up. The place 
will be made plain, and the crooked place will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope, and this is the faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hear out the mountain of despair, a stone of hope. We will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation to a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together. To go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. And this will be the day, this will be the day when God's children will be able to sing with new meaning. Amen. Man, your kid's like a cheat code. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching all the videos, and then Pastor Kyle and Amanda's kid gets on there and is just like perfect, eloquent speech. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so we'll give him, we'll give the other kids a chance. But next time, we might have Oscar just do the whole thing. He might come in here. It's not fair. His parents are freaking geniuses. Like, come on, dude. That's not fair. Give him a hand. <laughs> All right, y'all ready for the word today? Yeah. Amen. I'm so excited. I, I got this word from the Lord, and I preached a portion of it again at that lock-in we were just doing, and I feel like God is just going to speak to you in a mighty way, and I believe that. I'm really happy for every person that's here today. have a lot of family in the room. My dad is here today, all the way from Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> That's very special for me. Um, yeah, I'm excited. This is going to be good. So the title of my message today is Emunah. Everybody say Emunah. There it is on the screen so you can read it. Let's say it again. Emunah. Emunah. And Emunah means faith. Faith in Hebrew. The word Emunah means faith in Hebrew. It's kind of hard to read, but faith in Hebrew. And, and what I want us to talk about today we're going to read Hebrews 11 and 12 in their entirety, so if you want to get your word ready, you can. But emunah means faith, and I wanted to bring this word in front of you and draw attention to it today, because when we think of the word faith from a Western perspective, when we think of the word faith from our culture, it puts this abstract belief, and it puts action on the one that we have faith in, Right? We say, okay, I have faith that Jesus will do something for me. I have faith that God is going to do this. I have faith that the Lord will act or the Lord will heal or the Lord will provide. I have faith in him. It puts the action on God. And in Hebrew, the word emunah, it puts the action on us. It's not about having faith in God in Hebrew. It's about having the trust in the support of truth. It's an action word supporting to the trust and the support of truth and your willingness to act upon that support. Your willingness to act upon that trust. Your willingness to act upon that deep-rooted belief. And I loved when I read that, that definition in Hebrew that it's an action word placed on us, not an action word placed on God. God doesn't need us to say, you're going to be faithful. We know God's going to be faithful. He knows he's going to be faithful. He has emunah. 
By Emunah, he was able to create this universe. He's been able to send his son to earth to die on a cross for you and I. He has it. Emunah is for us. Emunah is for us to have, to put our faith in him. And because of that faith, have action, have support of truth, have a deep-rooted conviction that this word is the truth. To have a deep-rooted conviction that his words are truth. And because of that deep-rooted conviction, we will support it. We'll have emunah. We'll live by it. We won't just say it. It's not this abstract belief. Why? Because a lot of times we say that. We say we have faith in God. We say we have faith in what he can do. We have faith in his power. And we sit back and wait on it. And when times get hard, that faith changes, right? That faith changes. In good times, it's like, ah, I'm good. I don't need to go to church. I got this, right? (laughs) I just got a new job. I got that advance. I got that, you know, that new place. I got everything I need. I got a new relationship. I'm happy. I don't need it. I'm good. Our emunah isn't quite there. But then what happens in times of tragedy? I have cancer. My relationship is broken. I just lost everything. Then we come up to this altar and cry. Oh, Jesus, I have faith that you can do something. God said, I I know. (laughs) I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you to have emunah. I'm waiting on you to live a life of truth and obedience, willing to support truth, willing to support truth no matter what the situation is. No matter how good it is, no matter how bad it is, no matter what the circumstance is in your life, I'm waiting on you to have emunah. I'm waiting on you to have emunah. What does your faith look like? Are you a follower of truth? First step, we got to know truth. You can't know the truth if you don't know this word. You can't. You can't have the truth if you don't know his word. Why? Because you'll be making up stuff in your own mind and what feels right in your own heart. Elder Alice brought it up today, Jeremiah 17, right? The heart is deceitful above all things. It's wicked. Truth according to your heart is not the truth. Truth according to this word to the 6,000 years of history, to these fulfillment and fulfillment after promise, after promise, after promise. This is the truth. Without this, there is no faith. You can't have faith and not read your word. And we talk about it a lot. Are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower of Jesus? This house is a house of followers. You might have come in a fan today, but you're going to leave a follower. You might sit here a couple Sundays a fan, but you're going to become a follower if you stick around here long enough. We disciple followers of Christ. We don't disciple people that say, I have faith. I love the Lord, but never pick this up to know his word. You don't have faith. You're a fan of the concepts of Jesus. You're a fan of kindness. You're a fan of peace. You're a fan of love. You're a super fan of grace, I'm guessing. You love that one. Congratulations. You're a fan. (laughs) What happens when somebody does you dirty? I've seen what some of y'all do when you get cut off going for a parking space here. (laughs) 
<laughs> that faith goes out the window. <laughs> what happens when your life is falling apart? What happens when your life is going great? Do you maintain the following of Jesus? Do you pick up your cross daily? Do you pick up this word every single day and say, Lord, my thoughts are terrible. My heart's terrible. I'm not the Savior. I'm getting off your throne. Speak to me, please. That's being a follower. Because if we don't know his words, if we don't know his voice, we don't have emunah. Because we won't know what to do. You don't know when he's telling you to go do something. How are you going to be obedient to a voice you can't even hear? You can't. It's impossible. So step one is, is learning this word. Step two is when he speaks. Having emunah. When he speaks and says, forgive. But you're like, man, but you don't know, God, what that person did to me. You don't know how bad they hurt me. You don't know how broken I am. And God's sitting up there and saying, yes, I do. I see it. And I'm telling you to forgive. I'm telling you to drop it. Let it go. Forgive them. Actually pray for them. Bless them. Yes. Love them. Pray for that person that broke your heart. Pray for that person that ruined your life. Bless them. Do you have emunah at that point? He goes and tells you to do something that you don't want to do. Go pray for that person. Go talk to that person. Go spend your time in a church. Go give money to a church. Oh, my gosh. That takes emunah. It's not easy to do, but when you have it, when you have that foundation, when you have that faith, when you have emunah, you're willing and ready to support truth. Amen? So let's read Hebrews. We're going to read Hebrews 11 to start, um, and then we're going to get into 12. But as we get into Hebrews 11, I just want us to picture our emunah. Picture our willingness to support truth. Picture our willingness to be obedient because Hebrews 11, it highlights so many beautiful stories of the Old Testament where these Christians and these saints chose to have emunah. Not when it was easy, but because they were willing and ready to support truth at all costs. They were willing and ready to support truth at all costs. By faith is what it continues to repeat. By faith, they were willing to live. And this is where we have to get to, church. This is where our pursuit lies. This is where our truth lies. We need to get to a place that we operate with such strong emunah that we see walls get torn down because of it. That we see semi-trucks get moved out because of it. That we see broken families restored because of it. We're not going to do it by just saying we're a fan of Jesus and then dropping everything when stuff gets hard. We're going to do it by the growing of our emunah, our action. So in Hebrews 11, everybody knows this part. Now faith, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. 
By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Saying God created the universe by emunah. By faith, he created everything. We are a creation of emunah. How dare we live a life not full of it? We are a creation of it. It goes on, it says, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Quick disclaimer. If you don't know even one of these people that are being referenced, that's your homework. That's your homework. That's your homework. Go back to Hebrews 11, look through every single one of these names that are mentioned, and go read that story and see how good God is when you have faith. Because I don't have time today to go through every single one of these because you would sit here for four or five hours, maybe more. But go home and read because that's where you get the foundation of what happens when you have it. By faith, verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith... Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Where's your emunah? Are you willing to forsake this world? Are you willing to say, keep it, you got it? The Lord told me, even though I can't see what's coming right now, the Lord told me it's time to tighten up. It's time to get right with him. It's time to read his word. Keep, the word, keep your opinion. Keep your slander. I'm good. Keep your gossip. I'm good. Just like Noah. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance. This is for somebody. He obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith... Even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashores. All all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. 
Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Even though you don't see it right now, even though you may not see it, maybe you're older, maybe you're like, man, I'm getting tired. Your emunah has to remain strong. Your emunah has to remain strong. Maybe your experiences through life have taught you, man, God's not going to be good to me. God's not going to be faithful to me. Why would I spend two hours at a church? Why would I give money to something like this? Why are these people laying down, worshiping, crying? God's not real. His truth isn't worth my emunah. It's not worth my support. And a lot of times life teaches us that. A lot of times life tries to do that because that is the enemy's plan. I don't need that today, thank you. A lot of times life will try to do that. That's the enemy's deception and lies. But we have to be like these people, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't get to see the countless generations while he was alive. But when he was 90 years old, (laughs) when his wife was way past the age of bearing a child, he had emunah. And he said, the one who made the promise I believe in. And so I'll support it. I'll walk in it. Even if I don't get to see generations countless as the stars in the sand, I have emunah, I have faith. Because the Lord has prepared a place for me. He's the one that's building the city. He's the architect. He has prepared a place. I'm not from here. It said that they operated like foreigners in this land. You're a foreigner here. This place is our temporary home. We're foreigners. You should stick out. You shouldn't sound the same. You shouldn't act the same. You shouldn't live by the culture of this world. You're a foreigner. You're not from here and you weren't meant to stay here. So we have to have a munah. Verse 12. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edicts. By faith, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated among with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasure of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. 
He, preserved, he, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, everybody say by faith with me. I want to count of how many times I said that. I'm going to have to go back and watch. (laughs) By faith, verse 31, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who, thought, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the deserts and the mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. That's Hebrews 11. The examples of living with Emunah. The examples of living with Emunah. They went through it. Their bodies were destroyed. They threw down the the fleeting pleasures of this world. They went forward living this life filled with Emunah. And church, I ask you, are you willing to do the same? Are you willing to do the same? Or is the devil going to be able to entice you with the things of this world to stop you from having Emunah? Because he doesn't mind you saying you have faith in Jesus. You could say it till the roof comes off. You go ahead and scream it, sing it, whatever you need to do, post it, write it as your Instagram bio, whatever it is that you need. You go ahead and scream it. But do you have emunah? Do you have the willingness to support truth? Do you have the willingness in your heart to act upon it, even if it hurts? Even if by man's perspective it doesn't look good? That's why we need the perspective of heaven. Because when we're standing on the ground looking at skyscrapers, they look very big. But when we go up above them in an airplane, what happens? They shrink, right? That's the perspective of heaven. That's the perspective that God has given us. And when we have that perspective, because we've spent time with this, we get this word ingrained into our heart, and we say that this is our truth. This is our truth. This is where we find our truth. This is where we find our sustenance. This is our daily bread. 
says in Romans that we've been grafted into this. We have been grafted in, Romans 13, I believe, we've been grafted in. Our branch has been picked up and made a part of this. This book isn't just about some Jewish people from 6,000 years ago. This is your history too. This is our history now. When Jesus came and he died on this cross, he picked our branch up and said, this is you now as well. I came here for the Jews and the Gentiles. I came here for everybody. I didn't just come here for one group. So when you read this book, when you read through all those characters that were just listening, when you read through all these stories after stories after stories of God's truth, understand that it's not talking about something that doesn't apply to you, church. This is your truth, too. This is your truth. 6,000 years of it. This is yours. We get into 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, therefore, since there is 6,000 years of truth that has been given to us, since there is access to a Holy Spirit that has been given to us, therefore, since we are able to come into a sanctuary and worship and receive the power of the Holy Spirit, therefore, since we are surrounded by thousands of generations singing unto the Lord, therefore, since we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, Because of that, because of that, because you choose to have emunah, therefore, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I love that those are presented separately because they're not the same. They're not the same. What does it say first? Go back. Go back. Go to one. There we go. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what does it say first? Let us throw off, okay, say it one more time. Let us throw off everything that hinders, everything that hinders. Didn't say all the sin that hinders. It said throw off everything that hinders. That means that amazing job that you have. That means the relationships that you are in. That means your hobbies. That means the things that bring you pleasure. That means the things that bring you joy. If they hinder you from having a relationship with him, throw them off. Throw them off. That's hard to say. I get it. I get it. I have an amazing girlfriend. I enjoy and love being with her all the time, but guess what? If that comes between me and this, if that comes between me and him, it has to stop. It can't hinder me. Just because something brings you joy doesn't make it greater than this. Just because you're good at something, it doesn't mean it's greater than this. I know you love your kids. They're awesome. But if there's schedule that you put them in 50 different sports and training and every acting class and dance class that you possibly can comes between them and this, throw it off. Because it ends. I told our students the other night, I said, it ends. That sport you're playing ends. That job you have, you can lose. That relationship that you are in, that marriage, whatever it is, it can be broken and it will be if you do not have this. If you don't have this established, that establishment that you have between you and somebody else stands no chance. It doesn't stand a chance. So whatever it is, not sin, start with everything. 
Start with everything. Throw it off. Get it out the way. Maybe it's people's opinions. Why do you spend all that time in that church? Why are you missing things to go there? Why do you give your money to that? That's a scam. Get it out the way. Say, thank you for your opinion. Thank you for your concern. But I have 6,000 years of truth. I have emunah. And the convictions of who I know him to be. The convictions of who I know my all everlasting savior to be is a lot stronger than your little opinion of 30, 40, 50 years. Thank you, but I'm going to stick with this. Throwing off everything, everything that hinders. Now let's get to sin. (laughs) And the sin that entangles. (laughs) And the sin that entangles. You know, I I don't think I need to teach you about how easy it is to fall into sin. Everybody has. Everybody will continue to. We live in a broken world. We were born into this. This is why we have to have emunah. Because we'll fall into sin very easily. I like to describe it as a McDonald's commercial. When you see that McDonald's commercial, (laughs) the sandwich looks so pretty, right? (laughs) Got the little ketchup coming out just perfectly. The little pickles and onions sitting placed so nicely. Cheese looking good, patties looking all big. It's like, man, that looks good. Some of y'all want that right now. You're thinking about it. You're like, yeah. <laughs> all right, Pastor, come on, let's go. Lunchtime. <laughs> said, man, that patty looks good. That's like sin. What happens when you actually go and get the sandwich? That sandwich don't look nothing like that commercial. <laughs> Got the cheese melted halfway onto the wrapper, ketchup coming out one side, mustard on the other. They maybe, maybe, or maybe not might give you pickles and onions. It just depends on how they feeling. The meat doesn't look right. What happens when you eat it? Your stomach feels all nasty. Headache. (laughs) You get like the drug commercial symptoms. Headache, depression, suicidal thoughts. Like (laughs) That's what happens when you eat that stuff. You get, that, those, you get those side effects, and you're sitting there like, man, what, what happened? I wanted what was on the commercial. And that's what the devil does with sin. He entangles you into it because he makes it look so good. He plays on your desires. He plays on your heart that wants pleasure, that wants comfort, that wants those feelings of love and happiness. He plays on those things, and then when you chase after them, When you chase after him and you get what he showed you, it's not worth it. You find yourself feeling sick spiritually. And it's not where we we want to be. It's not where Jesus has called us to be. So let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. We have to run our race with perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. Perseverance. We have to run our race with perseverance. 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, fixing our eyes on him. In James 1 verse 2, it says that count it all as joy when you have trials of many kinds. When you face trials of many kinds, you should count it all as joy. Why? Because the testing of your faith builds perseverance. And allow perseverance to mature you, complete you, so that you lack nothing. We have to run our race with perseverance. We should be a people that when we face trials, the world looks at like we're crazy. When the doctor gives you that report, you should laugh and smile. Why? Because I have emunah. I'm good. I know what God's going to do. And so I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to run to him. I'm going to continue to run my race with perseverance. When somebody treats you terribly, when somebody hurts you, they say something mean to you, you should count it as joy. You should smile. You messing with somebody else. You messing with this. You're not messing with me. <laughs> I have emunah. You looking past me and looking at him. And if you want to mess with him, that's between. Mm-mm. Let me get out your way. <laughs> By all means, do your thing. Because we have to build perseverance. When you're able to go through the trials of many kind and count it as joy, it builds perseverance. And perseverance creates a mature Christian. It doesn't create a Christian that gets church hurt after every time somebody sings the wrong song or doesn't turn the lights the way they want or whatever, put in any excuse that you want. They don't drop this Bible because they get busy. A mature Christian holds on to this word in the middle of their life that looks like hell and says, I have emunah. I have emunah. And I have emunah, so I will support truth. I will support truth with my life. I'm not just going to say it. I'm going to do it. So we have to run our race with emunah, with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer. I love how he puts it there. He says it again in, um, in Hebrews earlier in the book. But the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He was the pioneer He was the word made flesh. God sent him to earth to show us how. He sent him to earth to show us how. Are you dealing with people being mean to you? This is how you deal with it. Oh, you're dealing with sickness. This is how. You're dealing with struggle. This is how. He showed us a perfect template of what to do, and he gave it to us. He said, this is it. He was the pioneer. He was the trailblazer. He set a path for you to follow. You're going to fail miserably over and over again, but you can keep trying. If you have emunah, you'll pick it up and do it again, even after you fail. Because you're human, you're not Jesus. But he was the pioneer and the perfecter. We aren't perfect. Look at somebody and say, you're not perfect. Don't say it too loud. Don't get slapped. (laughs) You're not perfect. So whisper, you're not perfect. We're not perfect. He was the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne. For the joy set before him, 
He endured the cross, scorning its shame. I know a lot of people sometimes think of Jesus and we think that he's like this Superman character that didn't feel anything. Like he's like this Superman character that was able to just get slapped and spit on and ridiculed and hurt and he didn't feel it. That's not the truth. Jesus threw it all off and came down here as a man. He came down here as you. The same way you stub your toe and scream that cuss word out. It's the same way he stubbed his toe but didn't say a word. (laughs) He felt it. He felt it. And so when it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured it. Not because he didn't want to. He scorned it, actually. He hated the idea of it. We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane inquire of the Lord three times and say, God, please, if there's another way, please take this cup from me. He calls out to his father. He says, please take this cup from me. But if there's no other way, I'll drink it. If there's no other way, even though I don't feel like it, even though I know what's about to happen, I will do it. Why? Because of the joy set before him. Because of the joy set before him, he was ridiculed, blindfolded and beaten, taken before Pilate with the crown of thorns placed upon his head, driving into his skull, bleeding. He was whipped. He took every lash. Some say it's 39 times. They whipped him with the lash. A whip in, with metal and glass and sharp stones tied up into it. Flesh ripped from his body. Ears cut, eyes cut. People spitting on him. Ridiculing him. He picked up a cross. Walked it up a hill. Wood rubbing against his bare back that had just been torn. Falling and stumbling, scraping on the ground. Nailed to a cross, a cross that was meant for the lowest of society. They didn't just put people on crosses that had any type of status. The cross was meant for people that lived in the streets that had done every type of wrong. The lowest form of low. Nailed to a cross by his wrist so that the only way he could support himself was by tensing his core and causing himself further pain. Sat up there for six hours to the point where his own mother came and said, which one is my son? She couldn't recognize him. His own mother couldn't recognize her son's face after what they had done. Why? For the joy set before him, for the joy set before him, he looked past what he was going to have to endure. He looked past what it was going to cost. He looked at you and said, you're worth it. He looked past it and said, you are worth it. You're worth it. He said, you're worth every single step. You are worth every single lash. You are worth every single mean word. I scorn this and I'm going to feel every second of it, but I'm looking past it. And I see the joy that's set before me. I see the joy that in a couple thousand years you're going to get to be in a sanctuary. 
and worship and find freedom and find healing and find peace and find joy. For the joy set before me, you were worth it. It's what he was looking at as he endured that. It was you. You're the joy. You are the joy set before him. In the end of that verse, it says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Every time that you start to feel like your emunah is slipping, every time you start to feel like your emunah is being tested, consider him. Consider what he did. Consider the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Consider the cloud of witnesses who stood firm and supported truth. Consider Job, who had emunah and lost everything and still held strong to this. Consider Noah, who was obedient. Consider Moses, who threw all the riches of this world to the ground. Consider Jesus who had such strong opposition from sinners, who endured such opposition from sinners, such you will not grow weary and lose heart. I want everybody to stand today. We're going to take communion together. We're going to take communion, but after we're done taking communion, I want us to have a time of worship. I want us to have a time where we can worship considering who died for us, considering the one who counted us worthy, who considered us joy (laughs) and was able to look past what he had to pay. So as we pass out those communion elements, everybody just close your eyes for just a second. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. We can begin to pass them out. But I just want us to feel the weight of this in this moment, what we're doing. I want us to consider the weight of what we're remembering as we take communion. I know you guys got that. Thanks. That would be great. I appreciate you. Yes, ma'am. Lord, we take this bread. 
take this bread in our hands and we say this is representative of your body that was broken. Your body that was broken. The humiliation that you bore. The pain that you bore. Lord, we hold this bread in our hand and we think about it. We consider you who endured such opposition from sinners. We think about the physical pain that you took, that you endured, because you considered the joy that you would find in us. Lord, allow us to never lose Emunah. Allow us to never lose Emunah, the willingness to support truth because of what you did. The way you had it, Jesus, we want it. So we break and we partake of this bread together, God, in remembrance of your body that was broken. we hold this cup in our hands we hold this cup in our hands and we say thank you in your own words just begin to thank him right now church Jesus I thank you God I thank you for your blood for your blood that washes away my sins for your blood that makes me whole again. For your blood that has paid every single drop that has paid for my healing, God. That has paid for my freedom, Lord. This power of this blood, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for this gift, God. This gift that costs you so much, but that you gave freely to us, undeserving. Jesus, we thank you. And we partake of the cup together. Amen. Before we move forward, just throw the cup on the seat, get rid of it, get out your way. I want us to have a time to just speak to the Lord. I don't want anybody to grab your stuff to go. I want us to have a time to speak to Jesus today. Before we move that way, I want us to move forward. So please move forward and join me at this altar today. I want us to have a moment with the Lord. This moment is for, isn't for anybody else. This is for you and him. For you and him to talk. For you and him to have a conversation about your emunah. There's room here. We can move forward a little bit. There's room here. With every eye closed right now, 
Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw down everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus, we come before you right now and we acknowledge that your word is truth. We acknowledge amongst the cloud of witnesses, we acknowledge that amongst the cloud of witnesses through generations, you are our king. You are the king of our hearts. You are the king of our lives. We acknowledge that we are nothing without you. We come before you poor in spirit and say, God, without you, this is meaningless. None of this matters. We throw off everything right now that would hinder us from a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, we break every single chain that is over anybody in this room. In Jesus' name, there is freedom in this room. We throw off pleasure, God. We throw off pleasure, Lord, the pleasures of this world, the pursuit of the riches of this world, the spirit of performance of this world. In Jesus' name, we rebuke it and say it has no place in this house. It has no place in the hearts of your children before you. Lord, we come before you poor in spirit that everything we do be unto your glory. God, we dedicate our lives to you right now. Allow us to be laser focused on you, Lord, so that we won't get entangled in sin. So we don't lose our way, Jesus. God, we ask that we will run this race with perseverance. We ask that we can run this race with perseverance, God. And that perseverance would mature us and complete us so that we lack nothing. God, allow perseverance to be built up in each and every heart presented before you right now. In the good times, in the bad times, they hold strong unto you, God. Lord, we acknowledge that you are the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And we thank you that we were enough, that you found joy in us to endure the cross, God. Lord, we commit today to keep you at the forefront of our minds. We keep you at the forefront of our hearts. We keep you seated on the throne, Jesus. And we say, Lord, have your way daily. Speak to us, God. Allow us to have emunah, not faith that expects action from you, but faith that puts responsibility on us to support and be obedient to your truth. 
Jesus, we consider you in all that we do, the one who faced such opposition from sinners. We say, Lord, we live our lives for you. Let's have just a couple minutes just to worship him. Let's talk to him right now. Let's just worship for a second. Thank you for
our lives surrendered to support the truth of your word. We can never say thank you enough. We praise you. your name. May our lives be edifying unto you and allow us to run this race with perseverance. Even if we don't see it today, even if we don't see it in our lifetime, God, we have unwavering emunah be obedient and we will support your truth in Jesus mighty name amen if you need prayer you can stay up here at the altar we have altar ministers if you want to spend some more time with Jesus don't rush but I just want to say thank you for being here today live right love everybody and pray hard we'll see you next time God bless you.